it's uh, it's good good uh, time of year. I was just thinking as I was kind of praying a little bit this morning and uh, this week, you know, that it's been dark, hasn't it? A lot, uh, you know, after seven o'clock, and uh, you know, it's it's the start of a start of a new season with with what was once dark there's now light and i'm believing praying for that for perhaps someone here this morning that that where it seemed like there's been darkness that this would be a new season that light would would shine so receive that we're going to open up to the book of james uh this morning and continue our series there but just before we get there can i just share um you would have seen it on the screen just about the youth conference that we have coming up uh, next month now, the end of next month. Uh, it's something that I'm, I'm excited about, and I know, well, I hope our, our youth are excited about as well. And uh, just in the process of kind of preparing for that, uh, being in contact with uh, a number of different churches around Canberra, there's just been a real grace this year upon, um, you know, churches really being willing and on board to, to commit to coming along. So we've had... Uh, at least five churches already <coughs> who have kind of committed to coming along uh, with their youth groups on uh, for the conference. So if you'd be willing to uphold this time in prayer, I'm really believing that God's going to show up in a powerful way in the lives of these young people and uh, continue really what he's been doing this past term at youth on a Friday night. And uh, I just want to, uh, before we jump into the Word, if that's okay, just, just really um, just share and give testimony that, that God is moving uh, in the hearts and lives of the youth. He's really been stirring uh, some new and fresh things this term. We've had um, just a couple of nights where, well, one in particular where the Lord's just kind of had his way and overtaken. We didn't really get to anything normal because it was just a time of giving testimonies, of prayer, of worship, of just coming before the Lord. And the Lord's presence was just so tangible and strong on that particular night. So continue to pray for for the youth of the church, they're an awesome bunch of young people, and God is moving and stirring something fresh, I believe, in their lives, So, which is good, and I'm believing he's wanting to continue to stir uh, something new and fresh in all of our hearts and lives as well, across generations. You know, it's one of the things that I love about this church that we have right from the start, uh, the young young children, and then all the way through the ages, and that's a real blessing. So... Amen to that. So James chapter 1, and uh, let's pray, and we'll jump into the Word this morning. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you that your Word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you are there right in the midst of your people, Lord. And I thank you, God, already just for, for what you've been doing in this place this morning, just for your uh, presence here, Lord, for... Um, just that awareness, God, of, of your goodness, Lord. And I pray that as we open up your word this morning, that it wouldn't just be more information, God, but that by the power of your spirit, you would breathe life to the words that I speak, Lord, to bring revelation, to bring um, encouragement, to bring truth, to bring conviction where that's needed even, I pray. And that you would have your way, God, in this time as we open up your word. We give you thanks, we honor you, and we love you, Lord. Pray all these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, I have to be honest this morning that where we'll be starting with our focus, uh, it isn't, it isn't exactly a warm, fuzzy kind of feel-good message. We're going to be talking about temptation this morning. 
That wasn't too much of a groan, so that's good. And you know, I believe, and as we've been looking at in this series so far, that there's, there's a call for us as followers of Jesus to grow in our faith and to grow in maturity, to mature in our faith. God is interested in that. He's not really interested in us having a, a click and collect faith, as we heard the other week, you know, where we kind of bypass the proving and the process, the work that God wants to do in our hearts and our lives. And, you know, if we are to mature in our faith, we must and we will face trials and temptations. Went down like a lead balloon. That's all right. I'll keep going on. The testing of our faith. It's, it's the testing of our faith. That's how we grow in maturity and we strengthen in our walk with the Lord. And, you know, I'm, uh, I've got a bit of a sports background. I love sports and pursued that for, for many years. So sports analogies resonate with me. I apologize if they don't for you, but bear with me. Hopefully you get something out of this. But, you know, you can, you can if you're playing a sport, you can practice all you want. In the nets, away from game time, you can spend time on your technique. You can spend time visualizing the perfect performance. You can spend time in the gym working out, which are all good things to do. But it doesn't have any value until it's tested out in the middle. Until in the heat of battle, when it really counts, you're able to put into practice those things that you've actually prepared and trained for. And it's the same in our lives of faith, isn't it? We can say all the right things. We can know all the right scriptures even. But often it's through standing firm in trials, through resisting and overcoming temptations that we actually learn to walk by faith, that we trust in Jesus more and more, that we grow in our character and our godliness, that we strengthen our spiritual muscles and that our faith moves beyond just a theoretical thing to experiential. And if we are to mature in faith, not only will we face trials and temptations, but we must also know and hold fast to the truth of the goodness of God in our lives. Because these trials and temptations that we'll face can and will seek to cause us to question or doubt or alter our theology of His goodness. So we're going to head this morning, starting this place of temptation, but hopefully landing it, how we can overcome it. So we're going to be starting in uh, verse 13 of James 1. And it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good, and perf- sorry, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. We'll leave it there this morning. And as we've already looked at so far in this series, James has this way of being quite direct and to the point, doesn't he? He doesn't try and sugarcoat his words. There's not kind of the nice introduction, lead-in, warm, fuzzy words. He just addresses the issue time and time again. And I think we need that in our lives at times. And so he writes here in this passage today, he starts off with, Let no one say. So we must all sit up and take notice here because it applies to all of us. And then he goes on to say, When he is tempted. It's interesting, isn't it, that he doesn't say, If. 
we are tempted. Or perhaps the odd occasion. He says, when? It's a given. It's going to happen. And so we can glean from this this morning that it's something that every single follower of Jesus deals with every day. And of course, there are the, what we might term the big ticket temptation items. I'm sure we could all know and think of. But how about some of the other things that perhaps we gloss over or just kind of excuse or accept or tolerate? The temptation to be selfish, perhaps. The temptation to maybe just have a bit of gossip about someone. The temptation to be lazy even. The temptation to tell that little white lie to just get the heat off us a little bit. It's something that all of us, when we are tempted, it says. Temptation. I love a good definition, so here you go. It's an enticement or invitation to sin. Sometimes with the perceived or implied promise of greater good to be derived from following the way of disobedience. It's an enticement or an invitation to sin. And perhaps we could say that the temptation itself is not so much the issue as what we do with the temptation. It says Jesus was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. And I believe that for us as followers of Jesus, there is a call to resist and to overcome temptation. And I believe that we can through Jesus, by the power of his spirit. And you know, if we read in uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. Praise God for that. He is faithful. He will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear, but will provide the way of escape so that we can stand up under it, we can endure it. That says that we have a Holy Spirit-given ability to resist and to overcome. And we need to use that ability that the Holy Spirit has given us. So this morning, I just want to spend some time focusing on how do we overcome temptation. And I believe there are three things, well, three things that I'll bring out this morning that I believe the passage reveals that will help us in this fight to overcome and resist, resist and overcome temptation. So first of all, Move away from playing the blame game. Verse 13. When it comes to sin and the issues that lead us to sin, there is a call and a reality for us to take personal responsibility. We can't blame God. And that may be hard to hear or swallow, but it's the truth of Scripture. And we need to hear that grab hold of it, understand it, so that we can move forward towards maturity in our faith. It's kind of like the short-term pain of, for the long-term gain. Because we need to understand that God will test us, and that's always with the purpose of seeing our faith grow stronger, our character developing, our steadfastness becoming more steadfast, as we've already looked at these last few weeks. But He never tempts us. And if we're finding there are things in our lives that we're giving into, perhaps holding on to hurts or bitterness, perhaps not being as honest as we could be with certain things, perhaps looking at things we shouldn't, we can't blame God because He isn't in those things. He doesn't tempt us. He doesn't draw us away. We can't say that He's tempting us, that it's God's fault, because it's not His heart. It's not His nature. He doesn't want any of us to fall into sin. 
And this whole idea of the blame game or passing on responsibility has been going on since the fall, hasn't it? We look back in the Garden of Eden, perfection. The serpent comes, did God actually say? Well, yes, he did actually say that that fruit is going to be bad and you're to not partake of it. But what, what do we read? We read that the fruit was appealing to the eyes. This sense of it appealed to the, their own desire, Eve's desire. It looked good. And the Lord comes and he says to Adam, what have you done? And what does Adam say? He says, well, the woman that you gave to be with me, she, she deceived me. And then, what have you done? And Eve says, well, the serpent deceived me. We can look right through Scripture. Let's go a little bit further on. Exodus 32, and we looked at this in our home group this week, actually, with Aaron and the golden calf. Perhaps, perhaps you remember the story. When Moses is up the mountain, the Lord's uh, speaking to him, and he's been there for quite a while. And the people are like, hey, what's going on here? Moses, we don't know what's happened to him. And they go to Aaron and they say, look, can you make us gods that will go out before us? We don't know what's happened with Moses. I don't know what Aaron was thinking there. Maybe there was the temptation to be the leader, to be liked by the people. But he, he says, basically, look, give me your gold. And the Bible tells us in verse 4 of Exodus 32 that he fashioned the calf. An intentional thing, right? Then Moses comes down. The Lord says, look, you've got to get back down there. All sorts of things are going on that are not of me. Come on, please go down. He's not happy. And Moses goes and he says, what on earth is going on? And it's just a fascinating bit of dialogue where Aaron says, well, you know the people. They're how bent on evil they are. You, it's kind of shifting the blame there. He says, they said to me, let us make God. So they gave me gold. I just threw it in the fire and pff, out came this golden calf. I mean, seriously, come on. Take responsibility there. It's been going on since time began, basically. But one of the most significant ways that we resist the work of God for our growth towards becoming mature and complete, lacking nothing, as it says earlier in James 1, is that we blame factors outside of ourselves for our sin. The problem isn't with God. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. There was that show that was a bit before my time, but I think there was a line in it. The devil made me do it. Is that particular show that became a bit of a catch cry? I think the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. We are lured away and enticed by our own desire. Satan can put the bait on the hook and drop it in the water. But that temptation only becomes effective and intense based on our own desires. Because we have desires that Satan is trying to use to pull us away from God. So to overcome temptation, first thing, move away from playing the blame game. Second thing, we need to know how to detect the bait. And it's interesting, this, this, these words here in verse 14 where it says, each person is tempted when they're lured and enticed. The original Greek, it refers to sporting terms like uh, fishing and hunting, to bait the hook, if you like. And if we are lured and enticed by a particular bait that appeals to our own desire, it's vital that we recognize it and deal effectively with it. If the animal, when you're trying to catch an animal or a fish, if they knew that the bait 
would lead to the trap, they wouldn't perhaps fall for it, would they? It's the same for us. If we knew that the bait that's there to lure and entice us, that appeals to our fallen nature, would lead to destruction, we wouldn't go there. But the bait keeps us from seeing the consequences. The bait is the exciting thing. It appeals to our natural desires. Each person is tempted when they are lured and enticed by his own desire. So I've got here with me this morning some licorice logs. Does anybody like licorice here? Okay. All right. I'm going to open this up to see if this can lure and entice anybody. Because you see, for some people, licorice, I don't know why, but they have a weakness for it. Or they can't, licorice does nothing for me. You could, you could wave this in front of me and I'd just say, no, pass, thank you. Yet for some people, isn't it? It's like the, you're going to be lured and enticed here. Yeah, thank you, darling. Okay. There you go. That's for standing earlier. Thank you. Uh, anybody else? I'll just leave it up here. and There you go. There you go. Well, if you want. The point is, is that what lures us as our bait, if you like, will be different for each one of us. Come on up. We can get it. There we go. It's lured and enticed you, I see, as well. Whereas licorice, for me, it's something that just doesn't do it for me. I would not be interested in that at all. Yeah, well... You would know. <laughs> if it was soft cheese, however, or Tyrrell's crisps, I'd be right, right there. The enemy knows what is our weakness. What's going to set us off? What's going to be the thing that appeals to our desires? And he's not very creative, so he'll just keep using that each and every time. Once that enticement or invitation comes and is responded to, given into desire conceives and gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death to put it this way sometimes some things look cute and cuddly when they're little or they might look appealing to start with but watch out when it is fully grown i remember uh, a few years ago when uh, my wife and i were looking for a dog to have as our family pet I'd done a lot of research on the type of dog that, a lot of research that we wanted to get, nature and all those kind of things. And uh, I'd settled on this particular breed that we wanted to get, German Shorthaired Pointer. Be happy with a crossbreed as well. So I came across these puppies uh, advertised for sale, and it said it was crossed with a Pointer and a German Shepherd, which the German Shepherd, we grew up with a German Shepherd, so I'm more than happy with that. I like and know those dogs. Um, and so, anyway, I was happy to look into it. I contacted the, the breeder and I said, look, I'm just inquiring about these puppies. And they were very cute, by the way, these puppies. And so I just asked some questions. And when I saw a picture of the mother that they'd sent through, I'm like, that's not a pure, that's, there's something else in there. That's not just a German shepherd. All the years of loving being a dog lover as a kid growing up. Anyway, I asked this lady, you know, what, uh, the mother, you said it's a German shepherd, but is it crossed with something? So she said, oh, yes, it's crossed with another type of dog that's on the list of dangerous dog breeds, which I won't say because 
in case someone has one, that's fine. No judgment here this morning. Um, but anyway, I thought, oh, okay, all right. And, she, and the lady was, she could tell I was hesitant. She said, oh, but she's got a lovely nature. You know, the puppies are so great. No, oh, we've never had any issues. So I said, oh, let me, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. You know, and so as I, as I thought, I entertained the thought. I was like, look, the puppies are so cute. You know, I'm sure it'll be okay. I'll make sure I train them well. Um, it'll probably be fine. As I thought about it, I'm like, no, stop. This, it has a dog breed in it that is on the list of dangerous dog breeds. You know, it might have looked cute as a little puppy, but if it was allowed to grow and who knows what could have happened. The dog could do harm, perhaps, or be dangerous to my family or my children or friends who come around. And you know, we can often be like that, I think, in our lives. When temptation comes, we're lured and enticed, we think, but it's so cute. It'll make me so happy. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel better. It will be okay. It'll be okay. I'll just train it well and it will be fine. It won't overtake me. But it won't be okay when it comes to issues of, of sin and being lured and enticed. James tells it like it is. He says each of us is tempted when we are lured away and enticed. We need to stop that cycle, and that process, recognize the bait, recognize those things, perhaps in moments of weakness where we, we just give in. Perhaps it's just, you know, wanting to uh, have control, wanting to have power, wanting to have it all together. I don't know, but recognize those things, the bait that appeals to our desire so we can stop it in its tracks before it's too late. And so, as we talk about overcoming temptation, I believe there's a key here. And this is how we can do it effectively. Because I don't just want it to be a negative thing, like resist this, I'm not going to do this, but a shift in our thinking. And this is where I want to land this morning. Because it's important for us to grasp. To overcome temptation, let's be anchored in the truth of the goodness of God. Let's be anchored in that truth. And I believe that this is vital for us as followers of Jesus to grow in maturity in our faith, to resist temptation, to live victoriously even in the midst of the trials and even when temptation comes. You know, one of the most re commonly re repeated phrases in Scripture, particularly the Psalms, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. For He is good. And I think there's a reason for that. The reiteration, sometimes we need to be reminded and remember that He is good. His goodness knows no bounds. It's His nature and His character. And so James, he writes, you know, he's talked about how we're lured away and enticed, but he says, don't be deceived. Remember His nature and His goodness. You know what the enemy's goal is? It's to make us think that God is not good, that He's holding out on us. That he doesn't really care for us. That there is a better or an easier or a more satisfying way outside of God's will and ways. And it's in that place where perhaps we are more susceptible to the lure of our own desires. 
when we're not mindful and anchored in and assured in the goodness of God in our lives. Perhaps in that, that it's in that place that we're more susceptible to trying to make things happen in our own way rather than relying upon the goodness of God. He says, don't be deceived. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every gift is from above, coming down. That, that word means coming down and continually coming down. It's not something that God is good sometimes, that he gives good gifts sometimes when he feels like it. No, it's a constant thing. It's his nature. It's his heart. It's who he is. And there is no variation with him. There is no change with him. And what we believe about God's goodness will actually have an impact upon every area of our lives. And James is bringing us back, I believe. You know, remember that he is good. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from him. Don't be deceived. Come back. Remember that he is good and he does not change. He has our best at heart. He doesn't tempt us. He won't lead us astray. I love what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, where it says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, good things to those who ask him? And that encourages me immensely because I'm far from perfect as a person and as a father. But I like to think that I'm a good dad all the time. Like I know my heart towards my kids, this high call that God has given to me. And I know my heart towards them. I know how much I love them. I know how much I want the best for them. I know how much I want them to thrive and flourish in life. There's nothing that I wouldn't do for them. My boys, how much more will our Father in heaven, how much more will he, does he desire our best? Does he desire good things for us, for us to thrive and flourish? It's encouraging for me and I pray encouraging for all of us this morning. Knowing that he is good, that he gives good gifts, that he doesn't change depending on the time or the season or how we are doing. Because often that can be a trap, can't it? If you're like me, that can be something that you know, is a real wrestle. Oh, I haven't, haven't done great this week. Oh, where do I stand with you, Lord? No, that's a lie from the enemy. He's good all the time. His heart is towards us. He doesn't change depending on how we are doing even. And knowing that, being anchored in that, being assured in that, is quite a powerful thing in overcoming temptation. The temptation to sin, yes, that's part of what James is addressing because when our desires are satisfied in Him, in His goodness, being lured away and enticed by our desires or what seems appealing at the time just doesn't have as much of a hold. When we focus on all we do have in Him, every good and every perfect gift, on all He has given. You know, we won't want to spoil our appetites with McDonald's on the way home when we know there's a smorgasbord and a roast dinner at home, to use that analogy. A smorgasbord of his goodness. We don't want to spoil our appetite with junk food when there's a smorgasbord of his goodness waiting for us, available to us. And being anchored in his goodness also helps us to overcome 
another kind of temptation that's so often prevalent in times of testing. Because if we aren't careful, the testing on the outside, the process of walking through trials, the very thing that we're called to be steadfast in so that we can receive the reward and that, all that sort of thing. If we're not careful, the testing on the outside can become the temptation on the inside. That when circumstances are difficult, when we don't understand, when we have unanswered questions, we may find ourselves complaining against God questioning his goodness, resisting his will, and even blaming him for how things haven't turned out as we'd perhaps hoped. And I pray this morning that if you find yourself in that place, that you would come afresh before the Lord and allow him to pour his goodness into your heart and into your life afresh today. Because, you know, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of that place of temptation, often there's a, there's a danger that we can kind of change our theology based on our experience. You know, we can live based on our feelings or experience or our disappointment even, rather than the truth of God's word. And so, I just want to encourage us this morning as we bring things to a close. Let's be a people who are not deceived, who are firmly anchored in His goodness to overcome temptations and to stand firm in trials. You know, remember that He is the one who is working all things together for good. He never changes that every good and perfect gift continually comes down from Him. And as we just seek to be a people, reminding ourselves, anchoring ourselves in His goodness, I believe that there is great power in that to overcome temptation. Would you stand this morning? Jeanette, would you mind just coming to play on the keyboard? And if we could just, um, just close our eyes, perhaps open up your hands to the Lord. I'm just going to focus our attention upon Him. I've had another one just lured and enticed by the. <laughs> and uh, I just feel like as we finish up this service this morning that we should just give a little bit of space for the Lord to move. I found uh, whenever we make room for Him, He's always faithful in just showing up. And uh, I just invite you at this time to come before the Lord, perhaps examine your heart.
there may, be, may have been things this morning that you felt like the Lord has just been highlighting or bringing to your attention, even convicting you of. Perhaps it's the tendency to play the blame game. Perhaps it's you've not recognized the bait. You know, uh, earlier this year I was in Sydney and we were, my boys and I were watching someone fish. About three times he caught this very same fish, threw it back in, caught it again, threw it back. It was the very same fish. And sometimes it can be a little bit like that, can't we? Can't it? Where it's the bait and we just go straight back. And then we go, and then we go straight back, and get caught and lured and enticed again. Perhaps the Lord's just highlighting those kind of things this morning. And you know, He never highlights things or brings things to the surface to condemn us, or bring shame or anything like that. But it's always because of His mercy and His love that He's wanting to lead us into greater freedom. So I believe that this morning that there are at least one, but possibly more people here that the Lord is wanting to just bring into a greater degree of freedom this morning. That He's wanting to strengthen that Holy Spirit-given ability to resist and overcome temptation. Perhaps you're here this morning and you, you find yourself in a place where you're questioning, you're doubting, you're not sure of God's goodness. Perhaps that's been through experiences or hurts or past disappointments. I'm not sure, but the Lord knows. I believe that the Lord is wanting to draw you back afresh this morning with a new perspective and a fresh awareness and assurance of His goodness. just as we make room for you some space for you this morning in these moments you say come Holy Spirit we open up our hearts to you search us God we don't want anything to be hidden before you because you see all anyway but God we, we want to give you permission to just come and work in our hearts and lives today. Lord, where there may be things that we need to just bring before you, perhaps deal with, lay down afresh this morning, turn our back on even. Lord, would you help us to do that? Lord, where 
perhaps struggle to grasp your goodness, God. The nature and your character of goodness. I pray that you would minister to hearts afresh this morning all across this place. Lift off past hurts and disappointments. Lord, bring a greater degree of freedom and a revelation of your goodness, I pray this morning. Bless each and every person here, Lord, with your grace and awareness of your presence and awareness of your goodness. May we see, God, and be confident of this, that we will see your goodness in our lives, Lord. As we go from here, would you give us the ability to resist and to overcome temptation, Lord, in our lives? Cause us to grow and strengthen and mature in our faith, Lord, that we would be more like you, Jesus.